Hey everyone, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful perspective of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. We are Zach and Krista Horton. We're excited to study with you. This is episode 38. We're diving into and finishing all in one day the book of Galatians, and we are just thrilled to be studying. Studying? Studying? That was really weird. The whole time you were talking, I kept feeling like I needed to like echo, echo, echo what you were saying. <laughs> really random. But, but something that we really something should that we really should be, be echo, 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 echoing is we have an exciting announcement to make. I guess announcement or I guess that's what you'd call it sure. is an announcement. Um, we're just feeling really grateful this week. I guess it was actually last week we hit 500,000 downloads on the podcast, which just feels kind of surreal to us. That was never even a number that we... Actually, we never really had a number in mind. We just always thought we'd... <laughs> still don't think... Like, when we're recording this, I still don't really think about people actually listening. Every time someone comes up and says, oh, I listened to your episode, it's like, oh, you oh, did. Oh, you did? Oh. Yeah, I'm... we're probably awkward when people say that. We don't know what to say back. But no, we're really... Our hearts are just very grateful. And so what we wanted to do is a few months ago when Zach said, hey, we're we're going to hit... 500,000 downloads. I said, hey, we should do a giveaway when that happens. That would be really fun. And so this is the week we're going to do it. Um, many of you follow us on Instagram. Um, we have a pretty haphazard Facebook page, but we do have a Facebook page that also updates. So we are going to do a giveaway in each of those places. So we wanted to be able to get as many people as possible to get a chance to to win if you're interested. Um, so we will be giving away, we have talked a lot about some of our favorite study Bibles, other translations. So we're going to be giving away um you can choose either Zach's favorite study Bible or my favorite study Bible. Which which one would you say? We'll do the, the ESV, so, my, my study Bible. My, yeah. yeah. So that's his favorite. And then I'm going to be giving away, which I I know I have a lot of people actually that have asked me and have come back and said that they've they've bought this Bible already. Um, and the one that I'm that I love is the She Reads Truth Bible. Um, and they also have a He Reads Truth. So we can get you that if you're a man and don't want a She Reads Truth Bible. But um, anyway, and we'll just let you choose. So we're going to be choosing a winner from Facebook, a winner on Instagram. So we'll just, we'll explain the rules there. We'll be posting it this week. Um, I'd say on Tuesday, we'll start the giveaway. But all the details will be on those social channels. So you can enter in both places if you want to, or you can enter in one of them, whichever one you happen to be on. And so that's really just our way of just saying thank you. I mean, I think this is, we just feel so grateful to be able to do this, to be able to study and hear back from you and really honored to be a part of, um, of your scripture study and a part of this piece of your life, because this means so much to us. And we just feel really lucky to be able to create this community and hear from you and study with you. So we want to just keep going. And really, this is just our way of doing something small to say, thank you for being here. 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 Good echo. Good echo. So anyway, look for those there if you are interested this week. And for those that don't want to enter, we just want to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you for spreading the word to your family and friends. And it just means the world um, that we're able to be a part of your study. We've said this. I the, have said that. Yeah. I am echoing myself because well, I keep saying thank you, say thank you, lot. thank you. Know, but we, we've we've felt this a lot. We've said from the beginning, our whole goal in this podcast is really to help people have a meaningful personal scripture study or family scripture study. 
Well, and personal study so that so they can have they yeah. can then have the desire to teach. So uh, when people tell us that that's working, that that they're actually having a meaningful scripture study, if we can be some small part of that, then it makes us really happy. So thank you. There's the echo again. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Hey. Let's get into the important stuff. So We have a really good question this episode that was sent to us this week. So Yeah, it was just sent a few days ago. And I just, as I was studying this week, um, reading in Galatians, I just felt like this was really applicable to, um, to this chapter this week. So I'm going to read this. This comes from Heather Nilsson. Um, she says she, I, I'll just read it from her. She says, I am the mother of four boys. As we were discussing 2 Corinthians 12.10 this morning, I was trying to explain to them that through the atonement of Jesus Christ or through his grace, we can turn to him and receive strength and help in times of weakness or trial. I found myself fumbling over the words as I tried to explain this to them because we don't actually pray to the Savior to help us. We pray to Heavenly Father. Yet we are supposed to use the Savior's atoning sacrifice and its power every day in our lives and grow closer to him. So my question is this, how do we access the power of the Savior's atonement and develop a closer relationship with him when we aren't actually praying to him asking for help? I have struggled to explain this to my children this morning, and I have thought about it all day. Um, she goes on to say that she herself has thought of, you know, as she's been thinking about it, that it's a lot easier for her to connect with the Savior um, because she feels like she knows him better. But yet we're taught that we're supposed to seek heavenly father so anyway i just think this is we've actually talked about this question a little bit before when we've talked about the godhead um but i think you know especially as you're reading and as you're really digesting any part of this understanding because the scriptures really do jump back and forth of what it talks about so i just think this is an important thing for all of us to understand. So I love this question. So thank you, Heather, for sending it. And we'll get to the answer now. Well, we don't have, I mean, we, we have some thoughts on it. Uh, it's a really good question. And it's one, as we were talking about it, we thought there, there's not tons of answers. Part of it is because the scriptural text that we have, um, Jesus doesn't himself very uh, delineate a whole lot between him and the Father and the Spirit. We I think we put a lot more emphasis on dividing the Godhead than Jesus himself does. Now, they are three separate individuals, but when Jesus talks about the, the Godhead, when he talks about uh, his relationship with the Father, there's there's they're one. Especially if you read the Book of Mormon, it's I, the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost being one God, amen. That's, that's from the Book of Mormon. So it's a tricky question. Um, but as we were sitting in church today, our bishop answered this question in a way that was better than anything I was thinking of. And I don't know if this was meant for you, Heather, or if it was meant for more people, but... Um, his question that he asked at the beginning was exactly this. He says uh, he's he's heard a lot of uh, people that feel like they can connect with the Savior and they understand that he's merciful and that he's kind and that he has grace, but they feel somewhat distanced from Heavenly Father. And his the purpose of his message in our sacrament today was helping people develop and understand who the Father is and develop a relationship with him. And the scripture that he started with is in John 17, 3. It's a really well-known one where Jesus says, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And so the whole purpose of, of life is to get to know. And the word that Jesus uses there, that know, is a, it's not just a, a, a logical understanding. It's not a comprehension of God. It's a, it's a familiarity with God. That know is a much more intimate and personal know that Jesus uses. And so that is the purpose that we are to connect with God. We'll put this resource on our show notes, 
But um, there was a talk by Elder McConkie years ago, and I think we've mentioned this in an episode before, but there was a movement in the church where people were trying to have to create a separate special relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, people that would, they'd go into the mountains or go into the woods and they'd have these experiences with Jesus Christ, almost to the exclusion of the other members of the Godhead. And Elder McConkie spoke very clearly and directly on it in general conference and simply taught that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are united in one. And it is inappropriate for us to try and single out any one of them for a special relationship to the exclusion of the others. However, he says, if we were to do that, it would be the Father that we direct our attention to. Um, and so the, the answer that I thought of was, there's this great scripture. Um, this is all John 14. Uh, John, the whole book, John is great for this. But John 14, um, Philip comes to Jesus and asks him, says, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus says this great phrase to Philip. Um, I'm reading the English Standard Version. He says, Philip, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? It's difficult, I think, because we have so much scripture focused on the Son, and yet we pray to Heavenly Father. But if we understand that Jesus came to this earth as a perfect example, not just of goodness, but of God's goodness, meaning Jesus is the mortal manifestation of everything that makes Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father. Um, in another place, this is John 5, uh, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Uh, you remember the man that comes to Jesus and said, good master, and Jesus paused and says, why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. It's very clear from Jesus's words that his ministry was meant to point people to the Father. And so if you look at Jesus and you feel like you understand him and you love him and you're grateful for his mercy and his grace and his power, it's because that is an exact reflection of the mercy and grace and power of Heavenly Father. Jesus is supposed to be uh, a, a representation of everything that makes God, God, um, which makes sense. An immortal and glorified father wants to connect with his mortal children. Now he's immortal and glorified. And so he sends his son to earth. His son condescends and takes on this mortality and takes on this flesh so that he can be two things. One, he can be someone that we can connect to and understand because we're mortal like him, but two, so that he can also be in the express image of the Father so that we can look at him and know what God is like. And I think it's very, it makes a lot of sense that it's easier for us to connect with Jesus. Like you just said, he was sent down for that purpose. He was sent down as a mortal, I think in part so that we could see what it looks like to see a mortal person just like us and learn from his example. Isn't that what he always says? Use my example follow me. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. And this is why, because I am leading you to the father. And so I think, I think that's very normal for us to have, feel like we have easier access to or understand Jesus Christ better. But if we follow his example and say, that's what I'm doing, he is always pointing to the father. Um, and so I think that makes a lot of sense. I really, I really love thinking about that. I think it clarifies that a lot. Yeah. Uh, to start this episode, I have kind of a gruesome picture in my head. Um, I I think this was in a, something I was researching for for an episode in the Book of Mormon, but I remember 
I remember looking up different kinds of medieval torture, which is not a very healthy or uplifting subject. <laughs> but one, one of them uh, is this method where they tie up someone's hands and then tie up someone's legs in different directions, and then they literally pull the person it's on apart. Princess Bride. Well, yeah, that's true, kind of ish. Ish. Anyway. Uh, I could not get that image out of my head as I was reading Galatians this week. Galatians is a really unique book, uh, really unique epistle, because Paul does something here that he doesn't do another, or he doesn't do something here that he does in almost every other epistle. In almost every other epistle, the whole first chapter is filled with Paul's salutation. I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, I'm thanking God always for you in my prayers. I'm just so grateful to hear about all the good things that are happening. I love you. And I'm, and it's on and on and on and on. He praises them for their faith. He calls out individual people. Well, he doesn't do that here. Um, this is verse uh, six. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Um, he uh, later on in chapter three will call them, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? Verse three, are you so foolish Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Um, Paul, this is his letter where he kind of rips him apart a little bit. And the image that came in my head is Paul and other missionaries have been uh, with the Galatians and taught them the gospel of Christ. After Paul leaves, you get from this letter that others have come in after him. And we know probably by the way he describes them that this is that group I think we've mentioned in previous episodes, the Judaizers, who... Uh, teach that salvation in Christianity comes through the law of Moses, specifically through circumcision and through obeying all of the oral traditions of the, the elders, meaning all of the small, tiny, little commandments that Jesus Christ specifically preached against. These Judaizers are going and teaching that that's what people need to do to be saved. And Paul gets word that it's working, that the Galatians are being pulled away from what they have been taught. They're stuck in the middle between the gospel of Christ and these others who are pulling them away from the gospel. And as we read that and as we talked about it, we couldn't help but think how descriptive this is of so many of us and those that we love in the world we live in today. My guess is, uh, without much stretching, you could probably either think of thoughts or feelings that you have had that are pulling you apart. The church says this and the world says this, or you know someone who's feeling that pulling or that stretch. And maybe they've been pulled so far that they've broken away from the church, or maybe they're at the point of almost breaking, or maybe they're just starting to feel the pull, but... Or maybe that's you. Yeah, yeah. And so what we wanted to do is study Galatians through this lens. And again, we'll give you some answers and you'll get better ones on your own, but study the Galatians through this lens of Briefly, what is it that pulls us away? What is it that Paul specifically calls out? And then more importantly, why should we stay? Why is it that we should resist the pull and the tug of the world and stay with this gospel of Christ that we've received? I think this one rings true for today. This is Paul in chapter 1, verse 10. He says, If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Um... And I think that's a pretty a pretty quick one of him saying, if I were trying to please people, I wouldn't be 
a servant of Christ. And so I think that's for us a lot the same. Sometimes who are we trying to please or what are we trying to? Or who's trying to please us, the people that are pulling us away, that are trying to say something that's palatable, that's Mm -hmm. understandable, that we like it, that's popular. And we follow it because it is palatable palatable and popular. And And sometimes, yeah, sometimes what what the prophets have to say or the apostles have to say um, isn't always pleasing Mm -hmm. or easy. And so a lot of times that pull is between something that I, that, that I like and something that I don't like, maybe sense deep down is true. Which I think goes along with this, um, with another point that he talks about in chapter four. Um, he says, so then I have become your enemy because I told you the truth. Hmm. Again, that, that same kind of point is sometimes the truth is, the truth is hard to hear. Yeah. Um, a little bit before that in chapter 1, verse 7, Paul calls out, which we read already, he says, you're being pulled away from this gospel. There are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Um, I think that's a very recognizable slash unrecognizable one in our world today because there are quite a few. Perversion just means to take something that's meant for one purpose and twist it for another. And so, you know, when we talk about perverted jokes... Well, it's because they're taking something that's supposed to be sacred and they're twisting it into something that's supposed to be humorous. But that's the idea behind perversion. So when Paul says that there are some that are coming and perverting the gospel of Christ, they're overcomplicating it. They're making it more difficult than it needs to be. Or they're making it say something that it actually doesn't say. They're twisting little bits of the gospel to fit a personal agenda. And maybe, like you said, to fit something that's a little bit more pleasing or a little bit more palatable to the human ears. And uh, that's that's tough not to follow. It's tough not to to go with that tug. And I feel like all of those are kind of that that pull in different direction in different ways. I think different different things obviously speak to different people. So, and like we said, this is probably just maybe a few of the answers that could be pull that was pulling them away and could be pulling on us today too. It's a great personal question. What what pulls do I feel right now in my life? What yeah. is it that's pulling me or making it difficult for me to hold to my faith? The majority of Paul's epistle, however, is focused on why you should why you should stay and he just lays it out. Multiple lessons, multiple images that you're going to read as you study, all of them geared towards this people who he loves that he wants to stay. And so we wanted to answer, give a couple of those answers. And the first one I wanted to give was, and this isn't really an answer, but it's okay for God to pull back. Um, I've been in a couple of discussions this week with individuals that, um, one of my coworkers that had a student that asked him, um, why is it that church leaders tell us only to read church sources, scriptures and general conversation? Isn't that biased? Shouldn't I be more open in my in my study of the gospel? Shouldn't I be reading anti-Mormon material? Shouldn't I be reading scientific or, or critical material? And, and I'm not one to, to discredit that because there is a place in academic studies to be balanced in your approach and read different arguments, etc. However, it's based on the assumption that God is not biased or the church leaders, or that God shouldn't be biased or that church leaders shouldn't be biased. Of course they're biased. Listen to this. Right after Paul talks about them being pulled away. Chris already read verse 10. Verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, A little bit later on um, in chapter 5 at the end, he says, and I can feel his emotion. Verse 7, You did run well. Who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you, 
Um, I love the word persuasion in that verse. Krista, you mentioned to me the word urge that shows up all the time in scriptures and church leaders. and Yeah, that was what the word that came to mind um, was that urge that we feel or that they say so often in, I'm thinking of general conference talks where it's that that pleading. I mean, they even say those words, the pleading and the mm-hmm. urging of like, I really want you to understand this. I really want you to do this. You read Nephi in the Book of Mormon or Mormon yes. in the Book of Mormon or Jacob, and they all use the word persuade. They're not uh, objective. They're, perf- they're 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 biased. They're completely biased. They want to pull and tug, not just as hard as, but harder than the other side is pulling. It makes complete sense that President Nelson, your bishop, your family, your parents, whoever, of course they're trying to persuade you to believe in Christ. Of course they're trying to persuade you to have faith because it brings them so much joy. It brings us so much joy. And so the first thing I think we have to understand before we look at why we should stay is understand one of the reasons why we should stay is because the people that we love and trust want us to stay. And that's an okay reason. People that have our best interests at heart want us to stay because it brings joy. And if they try to persuade us, we shouldn't get mad at them. That's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength and great faith. Another reason to stay is obvious from this section of scripture from the fruits of the spirit. And I wanted to start by um, reading and kind of paralleling these two. So starting, this is in chapter five, um, starting in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Um, I am warning you about these things. And then he starts in, in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to just kind of point out before I read these, just the difference that you feel as you read these words. And maybe you can f- do this in your own study. But um, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I can't help but think um, just that feeling that you get as you read those words versus the fruits of the flesh that I read before, even just that feeling that's there. Um, and of course we want those things. Of course, a reason to stay is because the fruits of the spirit are pretty awesome. And those are things that, that bring peace in our lives and that we want to have in our lives. Um, but not only are those things beautiful and wonderful, um, but the reason that we stay and maybe I'll say this personally, the reason that I stay is because I know that there's more than that. I think those fruits of the Spirit are a very beginning to what's available to us as we as we stay, as we seek God, as we stand firm with Jesus Christ. Um, I loved this from Paul, again going back to chapter 1. This is verse 11. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, This is not, even though it feels that way because we're human and the people around us are human and we do make mistakes, but this gospel is not human. This is something more. There is so much more within each of those words, within the love, within the kindness, within all of these fruits of the Spirit. There is so much more to each of these um, that we can access through the Spirit because um, we're here because we're here showing up for God and showing him that we want to learn more. Um, there's more love 
There's more joy. There's more peace, more patience, more kindness. And I hope you understand what I mean when I'm saying that, um, because the words in my heart aren't, won't be able to convey it <laughs> the way that I hope to. But there's so much more and so much deeper as we dive into this on a very personal level. It is worth it to stay um, because God wants to teach us so much more um, gentleness and so much more self-control than we can even understand. It's not of human origin. This is from God. And that that for me is a reason that I stay because I have felt glimpses of heaven through the spirit in each of these things. There's so much beauty available to us. And I think that's a beautiful reason for us to stay. I almost don't want to say anything because that was, I think that's the best answer for me is those fruits of the spirit. I guess one I, I just might add, this isn't listed in that group of fruits of the spirit, but Paul mentions at the end of chapter three, he talks about the law. One of the problems the Ephesians or the Galatians are having is uh, they're being pulled by the law, meaning the law of Moses, the law of circumcision. And he's trying to show them that the law served its purpose, past tense, but it doesn't serve a purpose anymore. Uh, I just read this verse barely in our study and I really liked it. Wherefore, this is verse 19, then serveth the law, or whence, then, wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because the transgressions, till the seed, meaning us, should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. So the whole point of the law was to bring us to the lawgiver. Later on, he'll use the phrase schoolmaster, that the law was the schoolmaster to bring us to uh, Jesus Christ in verse 26. But then he says this, verse 27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then verse 29, And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Verse 6 in chapter 4, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you are no more a servant, but a son or a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then an heir of God through Christ. One of the fruits that I would add of being a member of the church is that we understand the why behind so much of the what. We don't just obey commandments. We obey commandments because they help us become like God and prepare us to be heirs of his kingdom. And I love that doctrine because it provides so much purpose for me and for my family. We're trying to prepare ourselves very literally for heaven. And now I might be putting words into Paul's mouth or meaning, I guess, behind this for this last one of why to stay. But I think this is the reason that Paul stays. And I'd say that it's a, the reason that I'm here too. This is in chapter six, verse 14. He says, but as for me, I will never boast any about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world for both circumcision and uncircumcision means nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. Um, this new creation, you know that Paul knows this so well. He's a new creation through Christ. He is a converted, changed man um, because of Jesus Christ. And I just love how he says that. I will never boast of anything except the cross. He has experienced Jesus Christ. And that's why he's here. That's why he's doing what he's doing. Um, and I guess I just want to second that, what Paul says, because that is the reason I stay. Um, and to put it plainly, I stay because of Jesus. I love what this church teaches me about Jesus. I love the the way that I can connect um, to God through Jesus, maybe to go back to that study question that we started with. 
um, that the teachings of Jesus Christ that I learned from prophets and apostles and through the scriptures um, lead me back to God that allows me all of those fruits of the spirit and that opens so much more um, into my heart and into my life and my mind and my world than I could have ever imagined. Um, and so I guess we'll end with just this um, invitation, I would say, from from Paul. And this comes from the King James Version because I like that a little better. Some of the translations say stand firm, but um, this one he says, starting in chapter 5, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Meaning stay, stay, stand firm, stand fast with what you have already acquired and what you know, because um, I know that the blessings are there and that the power is there with us when we, when we really when we really don't do those things. So hopefully we persuaded you and persuaded those that uh, are listening to believe. Thank you so much for listening with us this week. Uh, thank you again, Echo, 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 for all of the, um, for all of the connections and the, the reach outs and, and everything you've done for listening and following us. Um, remember to go find us on Instagram or Facebook this week and enter to win uh, those Bibles. And uh, we will see you next week.